Hey folks, it's Jeremy Kirkland. You're listening to Blamo. And uh, right now, as I'm recording this, this very second, it's sunny outside my window. Look at that. Is it, um, I feel like I, everyone talks about the weather, but it's important to me right now. Hello? Is it getting warm where you are? Has spring hit? Are you, uh, are you stuck figuring out what to wear? <laughs> well, welcome to the show, but uh, I'm kind of serious. I feel like it's that classic time of year where I'm really cold in the morning, I'm warm in the afternoon, and then like many of us, I'm like, man, what do I wear? How do I reinvent myself so I can go to the grocery store, right? I mean, these, these are the days. These are my thoughts. I'm glad you're here. This week, uh, it's a guest I've wanted to have on for quite some time. They're an incredible, incredible photographer, style god, and someone I am just very grateful for that they're in this industry. Hunter Abrams. They're a photographer, an artist, and she's might as well be a comedian with the stuff they said on the pod. I was dying. I'd never met Hunter formally before, uh, before we recorded this. And look, sometimes, believe it or not, these don't go as well. Like, folks get nervous, whatever scenario I had in my head doesn't play out, maybe it's a little awkward at times. I get it, it's fine. Some people are into pods, some people aren't. But this week, and this, this pod, well, Hunter, I mean, geez, we talked for so long, we, we had to make a bonus episode. I mean, it was, it was great. Hunter and I chat their career in photography, body positivity, NYU, that Met Ball dress. You know what I'm talking about? Why Willie Norris is one of the greatest designers. Yep, it's true. White House invites, comics, and what's next? It's Hunter Abrams on Blamo. Lift off. Here we go. That's great that you're that you're in the Quest Gang because I. So I'm a similar routine. Okay. I get up. I have a trainer for two days a week. Okay. And, but here's, I like kind of cheat a bit because I, I couldn't afford the like big daddy trainer. I just have the, it's group training. Okay. Which is like, it's like basically me and a bunch of like geriatric mm. women and we're like throwing medicine balls on the ground and doing weird like core stretches with like, inflatable balls. Is it like a CrossFit class for? It, <laughs> it's kind of, it is. It's kind of like a CrossFit thing, but it's also, there's a thing where like, they put a bunch of weights on like a yellow sled. Mm-hmm. And like, I literally, I texted Nick Wooster about it. I was like, is this the stuff that you do? And he was like, no. <laughs> He's like, no, I don't. I was like, oh, I was like, didn't you do a video once where you like pushing some weights across like AstroTurf? And he was just like, no. <laughs> I mean, he probably was doing it on like a sled, like, but it was like something different. Like, I mean, I use that in- I use a sled in the gym too. Um, and then my trainer is on like the other side of it and like pushing back at me as I'm like trying to push it. Mm. And he's okay. I pardon my friend, she's really fucking strong, so it's quite hard. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. That that man is like honestly, there are times where I'm out with him and I'm like, I'm like, I feel safe. <laughs> so wait, are you friends with your trainer? Yeah. Like, oh, I so, love him. Oh I love him. like one of my best friends. Um, but we really became friends through training. I knew I wanted a queer trainer. I knew someone that would like understand like queer trauma in the gym and like would understand like how terrifying like the locker room can be and things like that. And like, just as a queer person growing up, um, and then we really became friends through training, but we had a few mutuals before I started working with him. Oh yeah. So my, the trainer person that I worked with, they like, before we started, they were like, can, can I hear your story? And I'm like, well, how much do you want to know? Like, what do you want? I'm like, well, I don't, because in my head, I was like, is this just like a sales tactic thing? And the person's known my mom for a long time. Okay. And so I was like, 
okay, like, what do you want to know? And he's like, well, are you happy with your body? And I was like, has anyone ever answered yes? Oh. It was, I'm serious, it was really heavy because I was like, no. And I was yeah. like, I was teased as a little kid. Yeah. I was called all sorts of words I won't use today. Yeah. I was, you know, I wasn't happy with my body then. And now, you know, and I'm not even trying to like overshare here, but like now I weigh myself every day. I had eating disorders when I was younger, I, all sorts of like tea stuff where I used to swim with a t-shirt on when I was little. And I remember, oh, we have so much to talk about. <laughs> so, no, I remember this, this dude's older brother, yeah. Eric Arsenal was his name. This motherfucker. <laughs> and he would give me, what well, I, I don't, is this pejorative to say he would give me like the, the, the nipple that he oh, called him like, like titty, titty twister? Twi- yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, fuck this guy. <laughs> So anyway, so like that was like a part of my life that really fucked with me. And so I like shared this in like the, you know, first 25 minutes of like meeting with this trainer guy. And he's like, Jeremy, we have a lot to overcome. (laughs) (laughs) So I was like, all right, fine. How much is it again? All right. And so now let's go. So yeah, that's, that's my like, you know, but like it's Girl Scout cookie season and I have a daughter and I went nuts and I ate like a whole box the other day. Oh yeah. That's so like, I always tell myself. Because I like I had this talk with Michael once where I was like, that's the name of my trainer, where I was like, I'm like not eating well. Mm. Like I'm not really seeing like an effect on the scale, but like it also is affecting how I feel. Right. He was like, Well, it takes like twenty five hundred additional calories over what your like caloric intake would normally be Uh for you to gain a single pound of fat. And I was like, Oh, I'm fine. (laughs) Well, but like, it's it's interesting because we're also at this age now where, and I mean, not like our actual age, but like time yeah. into which there's these like different levels of like acceptance and, and like 100%. body positivity and all this stuff. And I, as a person who grew up and was teased a ton and yes. is extremely sensitive to it now, yeah. so much that I also recognize that. I wonder, like, I tell my daughter how I think, you know, I have a son and a daughter, and I tell them how I think they're beautiful and how I love them no matter what and all sorts of things that I'm trying to instill to, like, rectify, not that my parents did things wrong, but, like, I just remember, like, (laughs) but I just, like, remember these, like, traumatic things, and so I'm, like, I don't know if, like, how to guide them, and I remember I was telling my friend, he's, like, dude, you just gotta love your kids. Yeah. And, And I was just, like, but but I'm trying to. I don't know. It's, like, this. it's fucking hard. It's fucking hard. When I started working out with a trainer and I started losing weight, and I just want to say, like, when I started working with a trainer, I had just come off, like, a debilitating toe injury. I had broken my toe. I had to have surgery. I have 10 pins on a plate in my foot. I had to relearn how to walk. Wait, now? Yes. Yeah. This oh, was, my God. This is about two years ago. Okay. Um, And after physical therapy ended, I just realized that, like, how out of shape I was and how much I valued my ability to move. Mm, okay. I hadn't prioritized that and I wanted to prioritize that and I wanted to be stronger. And if that meant losing weight, that meant losing weight. But I really went into it to become stronger and more mobile. And I have to tell you, the amount of messages that I got when I started visually losing weight that were, Traitor! <laughs> you fucking traitor! You aren't part of the body positivity movement. You never were. You're such a fucking traitor. Oh my I gosh. was like shocked. shocked. I was like, you can be body positive and work out. You can be body positive and like eat like shit. It does not matter. Like, as it is about how you feel about your body. Yeah. It's not about what you do to your body. I'm also, like, in the gay community, and I see the fittest, in quotation marks, like, men treating their bodies like absolute fucking shit. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> I don't know. Like, a rail, like <laughs> doing rails of drugs. Oh, like rails right. of drugs. Okay. Like, and are on the apps being like, only with healthy and fit people. I only fuck healthy and fit people. I only fuck. I'm like, you just did like enough blow to like put Mexico out of business. Like, and you're telling me you're healthy? Like, you're, there's a lot of uh, yeah, hypocrisy, just, it sounds like. 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 That's not, it, it's, it's bizarre. It's bizarre. Anyway. Well. Fashion. <laughs> I'm glad you're here. Thanks. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's funny because I feel like all of that now is especially because, I, you know, and Tommy, Tan, our mutual friend, we talk yeah. about this all the time into which it's not so much about taking a good picture or making good clothes. Now it is like you it's a full, as deep as possible relationship you can with the designer. You want to know, people will be like, yeah, I like this this designer's clothes, but I don't like their coffee order. Or I like oh, this yeah. designer's this, but they stand for this or they stand against this. 100%. or. And I'm like, is that just like the new normal that we have to accept? But there are certain things that obviously we should take into account. Yes, you know? 100%. I mean, I'm not perfect. There are certain people that like... You have a pretty good reputation from everyone I know that knows you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but there are certain people that I have worked with in my career that I like look back on and I'm like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have done that. Like, maybe I shouldn't have like taken that check. But for the most part... I feel very, I try to be very discerning about who I work with. Right. And twofold, I try and be very discerning about what I buy. Mm. And like put my financial support behind. Yeah. I mean, there is a designer working right now whose work I love and like obsess over. And I have not bought a single piece because he was once an incredibly huge asshole to me. (laughs) I get it. And I'm like, and I keep seeing the runway shows and they are the runway shows that everyone talks about. They top every top 10 list. They're fucking gorgeous. And he since has been a lot nicer to me, but I will never forget him being an absolute ass to me. Did, did you ever speak with them? No. And say, hey, we got off on the wrong foot? uh, Like He got off on the wrong foot with about 20 people that day. Okay. Okay. (laughs) So, yeah, he was just, and I understand like a show day or a day where you're having a party for your brand is very stressful. Um, I've seen it. I've seen, I've been in more stressful situations and seen people handle it with a lot more grace. Mm, Okay. And that is when I kind of like start to judge someone and start to make decisions with my wallet about like, no, I'm not buying your clothes. Yeah. Well, let's, let's jump back because you're, you've been shooting for, I think for some people, they're like, oh, they discovered you because of the Met Ball, right? Absolutely. And if you came here through that, that's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) But like you have had a career for a while. Yeah. I think I really started shooting somewhat professionally. I mean, like 2015, I want to say. Okay. Because where are you from originally? Grew up on Long Island. Okay. So close to the city, about an hour away in Cold Spring Harbor. Were you also a fan of punk rock? No. Okay. No, I was not. I mean, I feel Hole, like that's the thing. Everyone's Hole like considered punk rock. Is Courtney? Hole? Punk? Yeah. Is Courtney punk rock? Yeah, I love Hole. Okay. Uh, <laughs> wow. I mean, it's, yeah, it's not like uh, the emo sort of punk rock, no. but Hole is. I mean, Hole's right. Courtney Love is great. Courtney Love is great. Justin yeah. Courtney Love. Um, <laughs> so you grew up on Long Island. Yeah. Like our town library is named for Billy Joel. And it was like, oh, oh wow. So, like, and Billy Joel's first album is Cold Spring Harbor. 
Yeah. Where I'm from. Um, I went to, uh, we should probably go back a little bit further. You can I do it. Yeah. Up really always interested in fashion and wanting to be a designer and always drawing. Oh. Um, like I have a bin, like one of those big plastic bins, like filled with sketchbooks from when I was a child, like that are just like dresses, 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 dresses. Um, when I was around 10 years old, my parents took me to the Giorgio Armani exhibit at the Guggenheim. Oh my God. And prior to that, my only exposure to fashion was People Magazine and, like, the Oscars issue. Yeah. And, like, watching maybe the E-Red Carpet with Joan Rivers. So that's what I thought fashion. Okay. Um, That was that pretty good era, I think. It was a pretty great era. Yeah. I really... I remember when Julia Roberts wore that vintage Valentino dress to win the Oscars. To win the Oscar. Like, I remember that so well. And then I remember, like, drawing it while watching the TV. So... That was pretty distinctive. Um, And so I really thought I was going to be a designer for a really long time. Um, And my parents were incredibly encouraging and knew that I loved to draw. And I think because I loved it so much, I became good at it. Uh Like in a way where if you really focus on something, you will become good at it. So I started doing like after school arts programs. So I did an acrylic painting class for a few years. And then there were a few kids who I did that with. And they started going to this school called the Huntington School of Fine Arts, which is still on Long Island. Yeah. And um, I started doing like the kinder classes there, which was, which were just Friday afternoon. And you would draw in charcoal and then you would draw in, and then you would eventually move on to drawing in pastels. I think you started off with like copying images of animals off of photographs. Oh, okay. And then you would do a still life and then you would do oil painting and you could do an oil painting of this. Still. And I like really fell in love with doing oil painting. And, and then I would kind of bring things in and do things on my own. And I think by the time I was a freshman in high school, I had a meeting with one of the instructors there because it would have been time maybe for me to like move up mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to the next class. It's like, you should, you should do the portfolio program. Do the portfolio program. Wow. And I was like, okay. Which is like where you start making a portfolio for college. Mm-hmm. And I showed him the fashion stuff and he was like, that's great. That's great that you're interested in that, but like, we're not going to really focus on that. But you should draw from the human body so you learn about the body. And my first class there, it was also over the summer they had moved schools. They had moved locations. So we were in a totally, I was in a totally new room. Mm. And they like were like, hey. I was like, hi, it's my first day in like the portfolio program. They're like, oh yeah, 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 yeah. You're like, Take us, like, we're going to put you in the round here. And I remember there was another kid, Phil Felino, who I was also friends with, who had been in the kinder classes with mm-hmm. me. And he was also there for his first day. And we get placed there. And it's in the round. And there's a pedestal. Mm. And a model comes out in a robe and takes her robe off. And I was 14 years old. Oh, my God. And I was like, and I just looked at Phil and we looked at each other and we were like, and then Kyle, the instructor who had done my portfolio review said, we're going to do 10 poses. They're going to be one minute each. Start drawing. And I was like, okay. <laughs> wow. And I was like, just kind of thrown into the fire. Um, and I would do that three days a week. But it wasn't always um, drawing from the figure. We would do, it really starts off where they want you doing drawing one day, painting one day. So you kind of do an oil painting from a still life and then um, sculpture. And you would mm. sculpt a head. You would do a portrait of someone. Wow. Um, Who, whose head did you do? I think I did a war secretary under Nixon. Wow. I remember I had picked... Oh, wow, this is funny. I remember they would have, like, photos for you to pick from oh, okay. like, tear-outs okay. or magazines. And I picked, like, Jackie Kennedy. Yeah. But also, we'll get to Kennedy. We'll get to Miss Jackie in a second. Okay. Um, and <laughs> I picked that out. And the one of the... Um, Joe Mack 
who was the founder of the school, mm-hmm. sadly passed away several years ago. Um, and he came over to me and saw me sculpting her and said, he was like, is this your first sculpture? And I was like, yes. He was like, he was like, you can't pick someone without any wrinkles. Uh... He was like, That's too hard. That's too hard. You need someone with wrinkles. You need something to really like, to really sculpt. Interesting. Her. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and he like handed me this photo of this old white guy. And I was like, okay, I guess this is what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I was kind of bitter about it at the time, but he was definitely right. It would it was so hard trying to sculpt her because like it was just so smooth. Like trying to get her features and keep her looking young was like I did not have the skills for it at the time. Mm. So I, I mean, how could you at that age? Yeah. I mean, there's no yeah. No. But from 14 to 18 years old, I like went three, maybe four times a week to Huntington School of Fine Art, like after school for three hours each time. Wow. And then uh actually it'd be I would do Tuesday. Thursday and then Saturdays they would host a double session and I would come in the morning and I would just stay from like 10 a.m. to like 4 p.m. Oh my god. Uh no 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 10 a.m. to maybe like 6 p.m. Maybe it was longer. It was longer. Okay. Yeah, I can't remember like exactly when we ended. And at one point I became an apprentice at the school, which meant it would basically help pay for my classes by like coming early and staying late to clean. So this is huge. So I always love to tell people my first job was scrubbing toilets and I'm not lying. <laughs> my first job was scrubbing toilets. Yeah. And like cleaning urinals at an art school. Wow. That's and so you did this for four so four years. Four years. So like freshman, sophomore, junior, senior year of high school. And then my senior year they help you apply to colleges. Okay. And so they have an amazing portfolio program and they like help you get your work photographed. They help you write your essays. They're also really well known for hosting a portfolio day mm-hmm. at the school where they help the kids set up all their work like you get these kind of like big pieces of wood that the work gets put up on you get pedestals for your sculptures and mm-hmm. i showed some fashion pieces they got mannequins for me mm-hmm. and they bring in all these colleges and the colleges meet with you and take a look at your work and kind of get to see your work in this environment and a lot of schools do portfolio days and there's portfolio days around the country what makes this special is that like you really get an opportunity to kind of like build a world mm, okay and that was it was really special yeah it was really it was such an amazing thing to be a part of and i i mean i'm very very grateful for I, it. I mean it sounds like you definitely live your life with a lot of gratitude towards that. I mean, the fact that, yeah. like, that was a key I, thing to discuss, too, is, is very interesting It's to me. wild because I think, like, I went to NYU after this, and I okay, dropped so, out after a year. Well, So okay. I, and I think it was almost because by the time I went to NYU, it was sixth school, and I think I was just done. Mm-hmm. Um, you saved a lot of money. I also think, <laughs> well, yes or no. Okay. <laughs> I know how to blow money. <laughs> There's one thing I'm good at. Um, the the other thing is that I really feel like it taught me almost everything I needed to know. Like, everything I needed to know about color theory, composition, oh, like, okay. like, balancing an image, like, shadows, and, like, the contrast between shadows and highlights, like, things like that. Like, I learned all of that there. Mm. And I, like, to the point when I got to NYU, I almost felt like I was being held back. But also... By the time I got to NYU, I was really interested in photography and the studio program there. At the time, the photo program wasn't very technical, mm-hmm. at least the classes I were in. Like the black and white program, like they're not going to teach you about lights. Like you're learning how to develop film. You're learning how to get your photos in focus. Mm-hmm. I remember I got a B in that class because my photographer, my teacher was like, you don't know how to focus a camera. And I was like, I'm focusing the camera. And finally, 
on like one of the last weeks, he was like, can I see your camera? And he like shot off a roll. I developed it. And he was like, yeah, your lens is fucked. <laughs> He's like, oh, no. you are focusing. You are focusing. They're just not coming out in focus. Okay. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> I was like, this whole time. The whole time? <laughs> Thank you, Sally Field. <laughs> wow. I think it's interesting too, because a lot of people talk about like some of the, the most important things they learn from any form of higher education is the yeah. ability to learn. Yeah. And I'm not saying that higher education isn't important. I mean, I, I don't, I don't have a degree. Um, but for me, like during the time of my life when I would have been pursuing one, mm-hmm. you, I was very lucky to be placed in different situations in which I was being taught how to learn and being put around a lot of professionals. And it sounds like that that's something that you experienced as well. I, after I dropped out, um, I had, my parents wanted me to enroll in community college. And I was like, I really think you need a degree. I was like, okay. So I did it and I was miserable. Yeah. I did it. I was like, this is like, I was like, now I'm in school and I'm not in New York City. Like, oh, no. What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> and also at the same point, my mom was like, you need to get a job. And I was like, cool. And so I was applying to like Starbucks and McDonald's and things like that. Did you okay. work at Starbucks? No. Okay. I was going to say, so I worked at six and way <laughs> One day my mom came in and was like, your dad's receptionist is out sick. Congratulations. You have a job. And hey, so there you I go. became the receptionist for my father's engineering office. And I don't, this, the things that taught me were just really how to, um, not kill yourself. <laughs> um, and like how to get through situations that are extremely unpleasant. Okay. But also, how to communicate and how to read people and like how to kind of so you're getting your street smarts yeah yeah it definitely taught me like it taught me that me and my father should not work together <laughs> i think many people find that you know at, at some at various points in their lives are you guys good now yeah yeah okay so good water in the grand scheme of things we are great so no worries people water yeah. under the bridge yeah water under the bridge we, okay yeah yeah we're great that's great so you where does photography come in so you're you're so, a receptionist and you're like i uh, at a certain point i discovered style.com hello and gold mine that was like is this were you watching like tim blanks yeah that is that's father that's, tv like that that's that's my TV. People say Tom Brown's are TV. Tim Blanks no, is my Tim TV. Blanks is the TV. Yeah. I just want to like fast forward it a little bit. Please. Um, when I shot a cover, two covers for the first issue of Perfect with Katie Grand, mm-hmm. and I saw that she made Tim Blake's one of the covers too, I cried for like two hours. Because <laughs> that is like the burning of style.com is like fashion's burning of the library of Alexandria. Wow. What a take. Like the amount of like knowledge and information and just beautiful things that were lost by that site, like being turned off is frankly like abhorrent. Wow. (laughs) I mean, I, I definitely agree. I think there was, there was a certain age. So I'm 38 and I think I came up in an era of information wasn't, one, it was mostly honest and true, and it wasn't um, clouded by tons of advertising. Yeah. And so I could go to a site, I could read an article. I, I remember I knew nothing of Alexander McQueen mm-hmm. and all these designers that people told me I should know yeah. about. And I remember at one point I was like learning about like Mark Jacobs. And, I mean, just all these yeah. different people that like had their, you know, kind of rise to fame and all this. And style.com was, yeah, it was definitely my like Bible. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. between And then at some point, I can't remember what came first, like chicken or the egg in this scenario, but it was like style.com. And then there was 
I don't know if you ever heard of it, the Fashion Spot forums. Oh, well, I was on forums, but I I, I wasn't on that. So yeah. the Fashion Spot, I think I started following, I got to, I actually think Style.com was first. Because okay. for a while, Style.com was like the hub for like Vogue and W as yeah. well. So they would drop their covers and their cover stories there. Mm-hmm. And I remember like, I just searched like Vogue, like September issue 2006. Mm-hmm. Like trying to find the cover story that I had found. And I think I found it on the fashion spot because people, and they still do this, bless mm-hmm. their fucking souls, um, scan in the magazine from like cover to cover. Oh. And like all the content, they take it apart and they either scan it in or they like take the digital PDFs and they like screenshot it and they post them. I was in like a, a private group that I'd found through like, it might've been like Style Forum or Dig or, or like a Reddit or something where people would trade magazines. Yeah. And then I was also doing the same with Japanese magazines mm. and I would actually pay this person to translate uh. the articles for me. But like, yeah, my like PDF treasure trove of all of these like fashion magazines that I couldn't get or I couldn't afford. It's like, because I, I was like, I was never pirating music as much as I was pirating yeah. media. Oh my God, yeah. <laughs> Karen Roidfeld, Franco Sozani, I am so sorry for stealing your work. <laughs> I am so sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I mean, but it's, but I think like that stuff's so important and it's, I do take, I mean, I have a lot of sympathy for people at this age now in which sure you have podcasts, you have TikTok, you have all these different things, but like so much of it, I feel like isn't always true. Where You're it's not like, seeing taste. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we're yeah. seeing like people's tastes like filtered through like the eyes of like some of the most incredible and most talented, like image makers, writers, editors, everything. And like that just like doesn't really happen on the internet in the same way. No, I mean, because there's still criticism, but there, it's yeah. mostly empty. I mean, to hear 100%. Tim Blanks or read Tim Blanks like speak why this person was significant yeah. and connecting the dots. And, you know, I mean, I didn't know about the Antwerp I was, 6. I didn't know about any of these things. There's I was trying way to way find it. something the other day. Yeah. After the Margiela show. Okay. Um, Tim Blanks, there was like at one point, and I had it on iTunes. I bought it on fucking iTunes. I think it was on like the podcast section. So I think it was actually free. Okay. It was like the video podcast section. And I think I got it in like 2006. And it was this like four part, 40 minute like video series on John Galliano. Oh. Starting at like Central St. Martin's Lake and Coyabla to like, 2002 at Dior. Okay. And it was like, like footage from like the first Dior, like his first Dior shows, footage from like the Givenchy shows, like foot, like I was like, I was trying to find it to like compare some of the things to the Margiela show. Yeah. No, I mean, there's, there's a lot of stuff in there. And I think like that's the thing now. It's like even at the, just going to the regular library, like you're, there's nothing that has. No, my friend took me to the Parsons library recently and I yeah. was like, that shit ain't that great. Yeah. I mean, there, yeah, it's true. There's a lot of stuff that's not on there. And I mean, it's funny you'd mentioned style.com. Because that still to me, I, I, yeah, I'm, I miss it a lot, and I definitely um, have a lot of sympathy for people that are trying to come up now, and they're on sites where it's like, wait, who's one? Like, you don't even know if someone's writing it, or it's like, it's no. all kind of like, is this ChatGPT? Is yeah, this like written by an advertiser and like, yeah, exactly. and like an editor advertorial name? Oh heavens! Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. it's getting easier to tell that. Actually, that's actually getting a little bit easier to tell, at least to my eyes. Well, that's um, good. Maybe because I've shot for some of them, so I know. Yeah, I was so gonna I'm say. Like I see, once you see one, you can kind of see them all. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the start. Like, I actually. So fast forward, I eventually left my dad's 
office and stopped working for him and I um quit. I met Lynn Yeager on the street. Oh my god. Okay. And Lynn and I used to photograph Lynn a lot. This yeah. is, I was shooting for myself at the time. So I was doing internships and like coming into the city for things on my vacation and my sick days. And um I started shooting street style during fashion week. And I met Lynn. And a few years into this relationship, probably two years actually, Lynn was like, why don't I ever see you on date when it's not fashion week? Why do I only see you during New York Fashion Week? And I was like, well I don't really work in fashion. What do you mean? It's like, I'm a receptionist at an engineering office on Long Island. And she was like, what? <laughs> child, 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 child. You have to leave that job. You can't do that. Right. You can't do that. You belong here. You can't do that. It's like, no, I'm like really concerned about money. Like, I don't have any training. I don't have any like education. She was like, you'll figure it out. We all do. Oh, bless her. And that was September. That was September 2014. By February 2015, yeah, February 2015, it was Europe and like New York Fashion Week were approaching. And uh-huh. I was like, I looked at my bank account and I was like, okay, I saved and scrimped the last like six months in September. I can do this. I can leave. Yeah. And I think I'll have enough money to go to London, Milan, and Paris and I'll shoot street style out there and I'll come home and I'll use that portfolio and I'll apply for jobs. Like, oh, so, so it wasn't simple, even so easy. You were just going to pay for it yourself. Yeah. I was just okay. going to pay for it myself. All right. This is going to be so simple and easy. And then- wait, 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 wait a second. I got to get my bids in on the Bezel app, but more on that in, in a minute. I get all sorts of emails and questions from you all, which I love to read and respond. And one thing I constantly get and even read in the Blamo Slack is what watch should I buy and where should I get it? It's a wild world out there with all sorts of websites and shops, but I go to Bezel. Bezel is the trusted marketplace for buying and selling your next luxury watch with expert in-house authentication on every purchase. First off, folks, it's getbezel.com. That's getbezel.com. But I use and recommend Bezel because it's the best of both worlds. You can go to the site and browse a marketplace of luxury watches, over 16,000 of them, by the way, which is a lot. And I know that Bezel is going to authenticate your purchase. Or you can create an account and get connected with your own private client advisor called the concierge. Because look, making a watch purchase can be confusing, especially when you don't know all the reference numbers. When was this made? Did they use ceramic then? Is it a triple lop, dingle dop? You know, what the heck? I don't even know. But they do at Bezel, and they're here to help. Concierge, baby. Look, if looking for your watch to mark a special occasion, or maybe you're just doing research, right? They even have their own journal where you can learn all the ins and outs about Bezel and the brands and all the stuff that's happening right now. But back to my bids. Yes, Bezel now has auctions, and not just any auctions. They got Rolex, they got Cartier, they got Audemars Piguet, all the big dogs and more. So you can discover, bid, and know the Bezel team has got your back with verified in-house authentication. So visit getbezel.com on your smartphone or computer, Bezel, the trusted marketplace for buying or selling your next luxury watch. Like, guest of a guest reached out to me and was like, will you shoot for us? And I was like, well, I'm already doing all this. They're like, great, we'll pay you like $100 a day. And I was like, ah, amazing. (laughs) By the way, if anyone ever offered me that amount of money now, I would piss on them. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say that's it's not that's, that's not a lot of money. 
And um, I want to just say that the rates aren't that much higher now, <laughs> but it's still too little. Yeah. Um, and I came back and I started living in a family friend's apartment and applied for jobs like relentlessly, like like got interviews at Refinery29 and like I think nice. I an interview at Prada and I was like maybe a production assistant. And, like they were like, yeah, like we need BTS photographers, but like you have to get approved by the photographer. And I was like, okay, okay. Ugh. And like, I think I was about a month or two into this and I was on my like last $250. And I remember being on the bed and I called my mom, like, sobbing, being like, I have to go back to working for dad. Oh, like, no. And just being like, I, I fucked up. Like, I, I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to do it. And I wasn't asking for money, and I could have, but I just was like, I made a plan. The plan didn't work. You have to own that the plan didn't work. And the day before, I had shot portraits for my friend, who I was kind of in love with at the time, and, like, was not being reciprocated. And the next day was his art opening. So before I went to his opening, me and my best friend Justine went to Gemma at the Bowery Hotel to have a drink, because it was around the corner from where the exhibit was. Um... And while we were there, a gentleman started flirting with her and asked her, like, for her number and all these things. And she was like, sure, blah, 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 blah. And he was really trying to sleep with her. I will say, um, Justine Wong, if you are listening to this, you are the most beautiful woman I know. <laughs> and, and, and I owe you my life. Oh. Um Anyway, at some point, Justine went to go to the bathroom, and he realizes that maybe to get into her graces, he should talk to me. Mm. And he started talking to me, and he's like, what's your story? And I was like, well, I'm trying to be a photographer, blah, blah, blah. He's like, trying, trying. You are. Like, don't say that. I agree. And I was like, thank you. He's like, so what? what's this trying bullshit? He's like, well, I don't have a job. And like, well, and he's like, can you hold a camera? Do you have a flash? I was like, yeah. He's like, do you want to shoot for BFA? Uh. I was like, yeah. I was like, can you give me a job at BFA? He's like, well, I can get you an interview. <gasps> and so he emailed Billy Farrell, the founder of BFA. And, That's what it stands for, folks. And <laughs> Bill, Billy Farrell Agency. And yeah. he lied to Billy and told him that I was his cousin, which I only revealed to Billy like a year or two ago that I was never his cousin. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> because Billy brought it up in one of my reviews that like, he was like, I'm just so happy your cousin emailed us. And it was like, Billy, I was never his cousin. <laughs> he did that to sleep with my friend. Um, <laughs> oh my God. So, and like a week or two later, I had an interview and a week or two after that, I had a job and I was shooting for BFA. And then it all kind of came from there. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> When did you learn that you were good? Like that, that you were talented at photography? Um, because I know a lot of people who are, I'm air quoting the word photographers, because I, I don't believe that like you're trying. You are, you aren't. Right? That person, yeah. that individual, they, they were right. But there's an ability to compose, which I think you either have or you don't. Like I have, I had a Leica. I had all the gear. I can take pictures of my kids. I can do that sort of stuff. But to compose and compose well and to make someone feel something from a picture mm. who doesn't know the subject, right? I want to be very clear. This isn't like I can make people feel a certain way when I take a picture of my kid because they know my yeah. kid. But to make someone feel something who doesn't know the subject and mm. to be able to compose that in a frame is an extremely rare skill that you have or you don't. And you have. Thank you. Um, so when did you know you had it though? I, to be honest, I'm figuring it out every day. That's very diplomatic. But like, when did you, then when did you accept your talent then? Was it after you got the BFA job or were you just kind no, of always no, oh by a threat? I was so terrified of BFA. <laughs> oh my God. It's the first few weeks of BFA. Cause I was like, I, I did kind of lie in that to Peter in that like, 
I did have a flash. I just really didn't know how to use it. It's fine. And I was Would like, you YouTube, you look it up. What'd you do? Yeah, I kind of YouTube it, but also they like sh- you shadow the partners for the, your first four. Assignments. Oh, that's great. So you went on the um, job. Yeah. So you okay. kind of learn on the job. Um, but I was, they liked me and I knew the right people because I'd been shooting street style. So my first shadowing, I shadowed. Dave Pruding, and we shot this event for J. Crew. Mm-hmm. And we walked in, and Jenna Lyons said hi to me before Dave because Jenna had seen me shooting during Fashion Week. And I always made a point to talk to her and ask her questions about fashion and like things like that. And mm-hmm. she was very supportive of a lot of designers that I was fans of. So I made it a point to talk to her. So she really remembered me. Mm-hmm. And Dave, I don't think Dave was pissed off, but Dave was like, Who the fuck are you? <laughs> What sort of nepo baby are you? I just met you, and like (laughs) the client is saying hi to you before me. Like, what's going on? Mm. And then, like, Garance Duray came in, and Garance like hugged me and like was like fawning over me. And the truth is that, like, when I was at NYU, I lived next to Scott and Garance. My dorm was next to their building, so I would see them. I went to a talk of Garance's at FIT. I was at that talk. Oh my God. That's There's funny. a photo of me at that talk. I'm wearing this like crazy colored scarf and a blazer. And I think my shoes are painted gold. It's ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> I was like, not to somewhere from something I'd probably wear now. I was going to uh, say, yeah, that sounds pretty great, but sorry, go ahead. <laughs> but after that, we started running into each other more and more. Yeah. And we'd recognize each other. And she, I was like, and we eventually figured out that we like lived next door to each other. Right. So like Garance was very excited to see me. Mm-hmm. And so Dave was really like, who are you? And at one point, Dave was like outside having a cigarette and like was missing a shot. And I like ran outside. It was like, something important is happening inside. And he's like, just take it. Because I had my, he had me bring a camera. So I took it. He was like, that's good. And so. Ooh, that doesn't sound like, is that, is that a no, good? No, it was good. Okay. No, it was good. Okay. It was good. When I came, when we came back to BFA to drop off all the, all the film in quotation marks, cause this is all digital. Yeah. Um, there was an editor there to edit Dave's photos and name them all. And Dave turned to her and said, let Hunter name the film kind of like as a challenge. And I named the film from memory from top to bottom. Wow. And I left and went home, like watched how they did edits a little bit mm-hmm. but i went home at some point and i went to brunch the next day with justine kind of like it's like a, i did it also i am as thank you for all of this i in some way kind of set justine up with her boyfriend of like seven years now who like i'm fingers crossed will be together for the rest of their lives okay um, so good i helped out <laughs> yeah i mean i, think, I did my thing yeah but um i <laughs> I got a call when I was at brunch with Justine from BFA, from Tiffany, the office manager at the time. And I was very concerned. I was very scared because I was like, whoa, this can't be good. This can't be a good thing. And I got like a few missed calls from her and we were at brunch. And I was like, I'm just going to call her when I get out of brunch. Okay. We got out of brunch and I called her back. And she's like, the first thing she said to me was like, pick up my calls. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) jeez. The second thing she said was, what are you doing Monday? I was like, nothing. And she's like, good. You're coming to the CFDA Awards with us. We want you to like be the namer. Okay. And name people. So I just want to tell everyone that like not going to parties in high school and being on style.com and like the fashion spot every night kind of worked out. (laughs) (laughs) Other than the fact that you're also really talented at what you do. Yeah. But like I wasn't taking pictures. It was, that was purely like memorization and love. True. But I'll, I'll say that it's not, it's people, not that what your work is, isn't good. Your work's fantastic. But I think people also hire people that they want to be around. Right. Yeah. I think it's, 
I, so much of my job is about context. Yeah. And about the context of knowing who someone is and, like, the context of the world that they exist in. Exactly. And their importance in it. And, like, knowing that, like, if you just shoot Carlene Surf, like, you're going to get an okay photo. But if you shoot Carlene Surf and are like, oh, my God, like, that shoot, like, 1999 with Peter Lindbergh and Vogue, like, blah, 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 blah. And, like, talk to her about the right thing. You're going to get a very different photo than if you just take a photo of Carlene Surf. Right. And you can get that photo. I hope. Well, I mean, obviously, that was, yeah. But I think, like, that's that's the thing that's happened from, you know, I mean, because, look, I did research and Mm. I spoke with other people who know you and have worked around you. Whatever. I won't name their names. Yeah. But they were just like, oh, like, everyone views you as a peer. And so, like, when they're when they're posing for a photo for you or this these candid photos, they want to impress you in addition to just helping you get a good photo. And I think that's a super, super rare thing that, you know, when people talk about different photographers, when you know that that person is behind the camera, mm-hmm. there's a sense of security you get in knowing that that photographer is going to portray you in the best light. And Absolutely. I think that lets people open up in a way that they otherwise wouldn't have done. Yeah. And I think like that that just creates such incredible photos. I mean, I think that's something that BFA also really taught me was how to make people feel good. Yeah. Make people feel comfortable. Like watching Dave and watching Billy and Neil and Joe work, like you learn the reason they get hired back is like almost anyone could take a decent photo. But it's that combination of like taste, talent, and personality. Yeah. And like how you treat people. Um, like I cannot stress the importance of being nice <laughs> to everyone. Yeah. Like everyone. The minute I have like I give attitude to someone, I like will pull back and be like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Like that was <laughs> like I'm so stressed, like I'm coming from this place. Like I like I was I said something like somewhat rude to my trainer this morning because I came from like was very stressed and like immediately pulled back up to it and was like, I was like, please ignore that. I am so sorry. Like, I'm just so stressed right now. Like, it's that week. And he was very understanding. I mean, we're also friends, which helps. Yeah, I was going to say. Like, when I'm meeting someone new, I am on like my best motherfucking behavior. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, because I, I think that's the thing too, where there's, I mean, I've been around mm-hmm. when I was like a, bad stylist or whatever. Mm-hmm. I remember being on set with someone mm-hmm. and that person, I remember I was working with my client and then this other person to come on and they, uh, the, my, that person was talking to my client and I was, you know, trying to help and assist mm-hmm. or whatever. And they were like, what are you doing here? Why are you here? And it was the most like dressed down. Cause it's very interesting how yeah. powerful words can be to yeah. really make someone feel because like- at, Absolutely, yeah. like you do not belong with. Yeah, like I was getting paid, paid yeah. well. I was by that person I was working with. They viewed me as a peer. Yeah, it was it was a very loving, great relationship. I felt empowered. I felt, yeah. you know, and all of a sudden, you know, ding dong, yeah. just rips me a new one and makes me feel horrible. And like to this day, because yeah. I've gotten to interact with that person now, yes, it does. It's like you and that designer. Yeah. It still lingers in the back of my head. Where like I believe everyone has bad days. Yes, I believe the benefit of the doubt and grace and forgiveness. However, but it still is like, but I saw you and you made me feel. Awful. Like absolute shit, and like that reputation in a you know in a good and a bad yeah. way. I've told that story more as a reason to be nice to people. Yeah, you know, and to which it's like I don't. I almost remember the bad experiences more than the good. One hundred percent. Oh my god. Oh my god. Okay. Everyone always asks like, who won't you work with again? And it's it's actually easier to say that than who I like talk about who I love. Oh, interesting. Because they stand out. Like, I have a top five. Sure. Of, like, my top five shitheads. Um, but, like, it's funny because on nights like the Met, 
and nights like yeah. the Oscars and nights like the Globes and things like that. Everyone's really excited and happy to be where they are and aware that they're going to be photographed mm. and excited to be photographed. And especially when I'm inside the Met, they're aware that like to have earned that spot right. is the f- the photography equivalent of having earned an invite to the Met. Mm-hmm. And they know how hard that is. So I think they really respect you and they really treat you with a lot of kindness in there. And so people will be like, oh, those celebrities must be so difficult. I'm like, I've had one celebrity like be kind of rude to me at the Met. And it's someone that I was kind of like disarmed by in the moment. Um, And I was like kind of upset about it that night. But overall, like one bad interaction over like 500 good ones. Yeah. Yeah, I'll take yeah. it. I'll yeah. take it. Well, and also you're becoming more of a celebrity yourself and the fact that like people want you to shoot their campaigns. People are requesting you. I mean, but even in the elevator before you're talking, like you, you're having these opportunities that you kind of have to turn down where like, yeah. you know, I mean, has has that made you feel that, you know, that you're good enough, that you've gotten it? That yeah. you Okay. I, do, I wake up feeling good enough. I okay. do. That's I good. do. I feel, I, I think there's a certain point where you look around the room and realize that you belong where you are. Um, I think I'm coming to a realization at this point where I'm actually like, I might belong where I am. It's do I want to be there or not? Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Where Where do you want to be when you're... I think I want to have more creative control. Uh, okay. I think I want to be doing more shoots where I am in charge or like have some say in the creative or I'm able to tell stories more mm-hmm. um, or just make work that is more interesting to me. And maybe yeah. it's about people that like aren't necessarily always highlighted by fashion. Okay. Go on. And I'm, I mean, obviously I am queer. I am gender fluid. It means that I'm not male. I'm not female. I'm not non-binary. I'm like, I'm whatever I want to be that day. Okay. Really. Or whatever I feel like being that day is really, or whatever I'm feeling that day. Okay. Most of the time I'm presenting like he, they, and sometimes I'm presenting she. Because even on your, on your Instagram profile, you, you basically acknowledge all pronouns. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, all pronouns, as long as they're said with respect. Which I think is very like, important to emphasize. If you call me like she, her, and you're mocking me, and you're mocking my gender, <laughs> that's very different than like she, her, and you're like celebrating me. Yeah. And like respecting me. It's a very different tone. Yeah. And I think like fashion has gotten a lot better at it. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say the majority of people refer to me as they, them. I was... I did kind of go by they, them for a little while because it felt like the best option for me at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but now it doesn't always fit. Yeah, but that's fine. Yeah, but I would like to tell more stories with like trans and gender nonconforming and non-binary individuals. There was an individual who recently passed that you were really championing. Um, Cecilia Gentili yeah. was... I actually like can't talk about it without sobbing. Okay, <laughs> but, that's fine. Um, just look her up. And you'll you'll understand her impact. I will say this, and like if you're in New York, you're gonna understand this, but she will be the first trans woman to ever have her funeral at St. Patrick's Cathedral. Mm, that's beautiful. Which is like like it is the largest church in Manhattan. Like, and that is just like how important she is to I, I don't even want to say New York. I don't even want to say the country. I want to say the world. Because mm-hmm. she really did so much. Yeah. I, you know, and I'm trying to be very conscious of like how I communicate these things because mm-hmm. as a person who wants to always be respectful and wants to be an ally, there's still so much that I continue to learn yeah. on my own and also trying to be conscious of like, I can, I can Google stuff. I can oh. do the work on my own, but I also yeah. don't want, not, not that I don't want to do it, but like I want to find a way to also help some other people who aren't, li- oh, who are 100%. so lazy. Yeah. 
You yeah. know, I mean, if I have you as a captive audience here, congrats, you're hearing about trans rights. <laughs> um, I'm like, why are pronouns important? I mean, I don't want to have that talk with my family again about why pronouns are important. Mm-hmm. Um, a few years ago, actually, I think it was like last year, mm-hmm. we had some of my mom's cousins over and they, um, they're quite a bit older than my parents. Mm-hmm. And um, wh- the wife was like, why do we need to put pronouns in our emails? And I just got up from the table and I was like, and like one of my younger cousins ended up like informing her why it's important because Mm -hmm. it makes everyone else feel more comfortable. And like someone who's trans might not necessarily feel open about it, but it makes her, it makes them feel more safe. Right. Um, And also it like makes sure people don't get misgendered. And I just, like, didn't have the bandwidth to have that conversation for the 20th time. Yeah. Like, I just didn't have it in me. And my dad kind of came to me and was like, you really missed an opportunity. And I'm like, I shouldn't have to, like, like justify my identity or, like, the things that keep my identity safe 24-7. Yeah. Like, and I understand my life is so much easier than the majority of, like, gender nonconforming, like, gender fluid, non-binary, trans-adjacent, trans people. Um, But I still shouldn't have to fucking do that if I don't want to. I wholeheartedly agree. (laughs) I think like that's a, a, as someone, as just like a white cis, you know, male, like for me, like there's so much stuff that I have never had to deal with at all. And, and, you know, and as someone who's also, you know, I was... Because I loved clothes when I was in yeah. high school. I was called the F word all the time. I was called all yeah. these things that like I was also confused at different times in my life about what was that because I'm like, well, I love clothes, but if I, does that mean this or that mean that? And I think all of those things are perfectly normal in people trying to understand who they are. 100%. And people should find like, ways to be able to accept that. Yeah, that like that like caring about self-presentation or like is gay is so funny to me because now like with TikTok and like I see these I don't even want to call them teens, but like these tweens that have like TikToks that are like tween like bodybuilders. And like they're like, oh, okay. It's almost like the, all they care about is like the aesthetics of their body. And I'm like, if I had shown that I cared this much about my body as a tween, I would have been like, like, uh, yeah, faggot. <laughs> Just <laughs> right. say it. Just say it. Right. Like they would have said it. Um, so that feels like crazy to me that we've gone to a place where seemingly straight people are that openly caring about like it. But I feel like it also has to do with QAnon culture and like chads versus like the green line and like all these things that I like don't have the full knowledge of and like don't want to get into. You should actually talk to Willie Norris about that. She's quite well versed in that. Willie has been on the show before and I love Willie dearly. And Willie is also a person I've talked to about you. Oh, see, I had a little feeling about that. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah, I love Willie too. And I think... I mean, I'm a huge Willie Norris fan. I think yeah. there's this is no shots at outlier, but I cannot wait to see what the you know the next part of Willie's career looks like. Oh. Where where she goes, what what happened? I mean, I I don't know. I've, I they're freaking genius. So yeah, no, she's like the best, the most underrated designer in America. I agree. Like like, and I will stand by that till the day I die. Yeah, I mean, it's. I think what's really cool too is like us to like brag about how much I love Willie. The the fact that mm-hmm. she's been able to take these overtly masculine, fucking mm-hmm. strong, big dog, whatever thing, and find ways to make all these people compliment me on my Willie Norris T-shirt. At the oh gym, yeah, who are people who I don't know yeah. if they would be complimenting me on it if they understood everything. If they knew that it was designed by like a trans woman, yes. 
And I think that is the coolest fucking thing yeah. ever. Like when you think about like accomplishments in fashion where it's like, you know what? The, you became a designer so good. You're transcending your own identity. 100%. You just, you just oh made something so beautiful and so great yeah. on a t-shirt. Uh, yeah. It's that I'm like working out at the gym in it because by the way, I love it. Not because it's just like a, no, a, a ratty t-shirt. Like you can like, if that's what makes you feel hot and is going to give you the best pump and like make you feel the most like ready to take on the gym, then yeah. that's what you should fucking wear. And so I got a Willie. So my dad is in a, um, mm-hmm. I gotta be careful how I talk about this. Cause my dad's not doing that well. My dad's in an assisted living facility Okay, and my, I got my dad, I like love getting my dad clothes and he's mm-hmm. like, he's gotten really small. Like he's mm-hmm. just kind of gone. Yeah. He's failing. And anyway, I, uh, got, gave my dad a Willie shirt. <laughs> Which one did you get him? Uh, the like the old Milwaukee style. Oh yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And um, and so my dad is like, you know, and my dad's a. By the way, he would be a person if he could speak. He would yeah. definitely be a person who would be speaking up for people like Willie and all, mm-hmm. all sorts of other stuff. I mean, he's a retired pastor. Oh wow! And he was definitely. You know, I, yeah. I love him so much. And, um, you know, so my dad's wearing like a Kiss shirt one day. I like <laughs> give him a Kiss shirt and he's wearing like a Willie Norris shirt. And it's just like, I think it's so fucking cool. And it's That's just awesome. like all these people have no idea. That's awesome. That's so cool. <laughs> yeah. But I don't know. But anyway, I, yes. I huge, mean, huge fan. On the topic of like presentation. Yeah. And Willie, um, I think most people know me through the Met. Agreed. And I think most people know me from my viral moment. Your green, the green, the blue green, or the yeah, like peacock looking sort of, yeah, kind of like peacock feather almost inspired. There were no peacock feathers harmed, no peacocks died in the name of my luck. Although, who knows, maybe they're sure, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) but that was Willie, that was Willie. Yeah, it was really, and it's been Willie since then. Like every Met since then, I've worn Willie. Yeah, um, and I told her that until she has a piece in the Met, like I will wear her to every Met mm. because, like, I just think what she's doing is so important. And I think, like, the sad thing about the majority of these red carpets is they're now dominated by these brands. Oh boy, agreed. Because they have the money. Yeah, and so if you have an opportunity to support and showcase a young designer and like know you're going to have eyes on you. And I just want to say the first year I had no idea that that was going to happen. The night of the Met, I was told that I would only be allowed to photograph people with their masks on inside the Met. Oh, because it was COVID. Oh, yeah. Oh, it was September 2021. That's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. I was like, well, I shot like two years ago the camp one without masks. Like, that's going to be really boring for me. And they're like, it's you and Tyrell. Like, how about we put Tyrell inside and you be on the stairs? I was like, okay. Yeah. I had no idea I was going to be on the fucking stairs that night. I had no idea that the whole world was going to see me in that dress. Like, and for better or worse, it like changed my life because now you outshined well, freaking now there's Rihanna. An expectation. <laughs> well, now there's a fucking expectation that I have to like serve, <laughs> that I have to like bring out the big guns for every red carpet event that I do, which isn't a bad reputation to have, but sometimes like you just got to r- increase the rate. Sure. Well, if- you talk to Conde now. <laughs> you get there that. is an Arno that listens to this pod. I won't oh. name who they are. Okay. And Arno, I know who you are. You got to slide. Like Arno family? Yeah. Oh, Arno family, can you back Willie? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. like, don't help me, help her. Because helping her will help me. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. Well, that's so like, like that would take, that would add years to my life. The stress of wanting to see your friend succeed, like, 
actually probably takes more years off my life than it like than my own success does. Like the like my own hopes for myself. Like the hopes I have for like the people I love is so much stronger than the hopes and desires I have for myself. Oh, that's really like, sweet. That's just like like I like after I did the Met, like my bucket list was complete. Like I was no, like, come yeah, on. Yeah, I mean when I started at BFA, I said that I told my mom. Because my mom was like, it's a freelance job. Is this really going to be like, like, are you really going to be able to make a living on this? And I was like, well, I look at what BFA did in the last five years. Because it was the five-year anniversary when I started. Mm -hmm. And I said, if I can just stay five years, I think I can get to a place where maybe I can start my own agency or I can do my own thing or like Mm -hmm. go out and do editorial or whatever. But I will have built, they already have five years of connections. I'm going to now build my five years of off of connections, off of their five years of connections and all the people that I'm going to meet. Yeah, yeah. And I said, I will stay until I shoot the Met Gala or five years. And I shot the Met Gala on my fourth year, but not for BFA. (laughs) 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 But I still did it. But now you're shooting things that are I mean, far beyond what you would have ever expected. 100%. I mean, like... I mean, turning down the, you know, like we were saying in the elevator, having to turn stuff down like that, that's kind of a, that's that's a good level of security. But also, I feel like sometimes I get offered things just because I have a profile now, and sometimes it's not the right fit, and sometimes Mm. it's not the right thing, and like, sometimes things that are cool aren't exactly the thing I want to be doing, or like, feel like... Okay. It make the most sense for me. And so that one was really cool. And it actually was really hard to say no to. Yeah. Um, like also the money was great. <laughs> I was gonna say, do you have to do the 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 kind of like one for me, one for them thing now? Um sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes they do. Sure. Um, but other times it's it's kind of easier than you would think because I kind of have to look at like, I mean, I don't have an agent, I don't have a manager. You know what? What? Also, if anybody would like to do that, that would be lovely. Would love that. Um, So at this point, I'm kind of doing this all on my own with the help of an accountant and the lovely app called QuickBooks. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, into it, how I hate you, but I use you too. Yeah. Stupid $60 a month. Jesus, ring dings. (laughs) Stealing from me. Um, But (laughs) they do make things a lot easier. Yeah. I will say they make things very easy. But anyway, so I kind of have to look at the overall vision and say, does this make sense for me? And how happy am I going to be on this job versus how happy is this money going to make me? Oh, wow. Okay. And like, I kind of, what's that saying that like- Since you operate with an abundance mentality, first off. Money doesn't like give you happiness, whatever that fucking thing is. That's a fucking lie. (laughs) Money makes your life easier. (laughs) And like having an easier life does make you happy. Sorry. Yeah, I I agree. Um, It does help. But- at a certain point, how happy, there is only a limit. There is a limit to how much money can make you happy. And there is a there is also a limit of how much bullshit I can take on a job. Mm. And I was like, I can see that this job is going to have just issues. Like, it's just going to be difficult. And I'm not talking about, like, the actual shoot. I'm talking about, like, communication, access, dealing with the client, dealing mm. with the subject, dealing with like dealing with logistics, dealing with travel, like all the things that aren't actually shooting the job are going to be hard. And at a certain point, it becomes not worth it. Yeah. And it's hard to say no to things like that when the money is good. And especially when like, I do operate from a place of like, I could always say yes to more money. <laughs> like I wouldn't yeah. mind, I wouldn't mind like 
like being a little more comfortable in my life. Sure. Um, but yeah, I had like, it just, it wasn't going to work. But I think the thing that you probably communicated, whether you realize it or not, is that you also, you're definitely operating from this like abundance mentality in the sense that like for someone like me, right? Mm-hmm. Anytime anything good, well, I don't yeah. know, I'll just air quote that happens to me. I'm always like, okay, well, now it's over. Or, you oh. know, that's never going to happen again. Like, this was my shot. Like, that that was the thing. That person said yes. Or this, like, it's over. I have had moments like that. When I shot at the White House, I was like, this is probably going to be the only time I get to do this. Or like, for right now, for the foreseeable future, this mm-hmm. is probably going to be the only time I get to do this. And now I can say it's probably the only time I want to do this. <laughs> Not really a big fan of Biden right now. Not a fan of Trump either. Um, But there was... A moment there where things were looking great. So I was enjoying, I I was really proud to get to do that. And it was really special. And it meant a lot. Um, Also because I got to bring my mom. I got a plus one. And now that's, that is like, And I was at a certain point, I was like, maybe I'll bring a photo assistant or like a second shooter. Yeah. Like maybe I should bring like my friend River. And at a certain point, I called River and I was like, I know I called you and asked you if you were free to this, but like, I can't even guarantee that you'll be allowed to bring in a camera. Would you be upset if I brought my mom? And they were so kind about it. And they were like, honestly, it it doesn't feel correct for me to go if you like have the chance to take your mom. And so I got to bring my mom to the White House, which was really cool. Um, Oh, God, if you want to make me cry, make me talk about my mom or Cecilia. But um, (laughs) I think that is it's very interesting how all of us have this inherent desire to please our parents, whether they're good or they're bad. Oh, and to this day. And this is the stuff that like, fuck, I'll end up crying. Where it's like, my dad can't talk anymore. He can't do any of these things. I love him more than anything in the world. And I still want him to be like, I'm proud of you. Oh, you know, and it's like, you you want that feeling more than anything ever. Oh, yeah. And I mean, I didn't graduate college. I didn't like, I went to my high school graduation. I walked, I like stayed five minutes. I was like, I don't want to be here. Like, I don't care about these people. Like, I don't care about this. I don't think I like really got a moment. I never got that like academic achievement moment to like celebrate with my parents and be like, oh, we're proud of you for doing something. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. and then fashion and my job feels, no, I'm fine. It feels very insular. It feels very, it is very closed off. And I shoot a lot of these jobs and I don't get to take my parents. Mm -hmm. Like my parents got to come to like a Susan Alexander presentation when I modeled in it, which was really cool. And like, thank you, Susan, for allowing me to bring my parents to that. That really meant a lot. Um, and I try and bring them to things and I try and bring them to art openings. And like, if it's a store opening that I get invited to and I have a plus one or a plus two, I try and bring them to things that I think they'll care about. Um, because they are very cultured and, um, they really care about that stuff in a way, although sometimes they act like they don't. But getting to bring my mom to the White House was really like, this is my graduation. Like, and it felt like that too, because. It was somewhere I never thought I'd be either. (laughs) Like, I never thought I was going to do that. Um, And I don't think my mom did either. But yeah, it was really special. (laughs) And that's where, like, for me, and it's funny, even like the whole point of a lot of these like pods or anything I've ever done, where it's like to find some way to find ways to reconcile with family members or with people that you love. Because I think at the end, it's always the like itch you want to scratch, you know? I mean, it's like the biggest drive. For I, uh, my grandmother died during COVID. She didn't die of COVID, but she died during COVID. And I couldn't be there because mm. COVID like yeah. really kept people out of hospitals. And so she basically was in a coma for oh my God. a month. Oh. She had a stroke and then was in a coma. And um, she, <laughs> I, at a certain point, we stopped giving her liquids and things like that. 
and she survived for like two and a half weeks without liquids. Oh, wow. Which um, my mom likes to joke that <laughs> this is so fucking dark, but it's so funny. It's all right. <laughs> my mom says, like, I did tell her to drink more water, but I guess her just being dehydrated kept her alive longer. <laughs> she was so used to not having water. She survived for two and a half weeks without water. Um, but anyway, I uh, when you lose someone during a time like that, and your job isn't there for you, and your friends can't be there for you, and you can't physically be with anyone, you kind of start to question what's important. And I really did a lot of soul searching, and I kind of had to realize that my job wasn't the most important thing in the world to me, mm. at least inwardly. Outwardly, it could appear like that for the sake of like my sure. reputation or whatever the fuck this is. But inwardly, it's not. It's my relationships with my friends. It's my relationships with my family. It's my relationships with anyone. Like person-to-person connection means so much more than shooting them at. Although if they do take that away from me, I will go. <laughs> <laughs> there was, it's so I take no credit for this, but a really good friend of mine, there was a point in my life where I was very, I can get very narrow focused on certain yeah. things. And when that happens, I can push people away. I can be almost too driven. It's yeah. like a superpower, but I get kind of consumed by it. And it's I remember- like reverse ADD. Yeah. And a friend like pulled me aside and was like, look, like Jeremy, I understand you want to do this, 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 and this. Yeah. But like at the end of the day, you have to ask yourself, whose arms do you want around you when the world ends? Yeah. And it fucked to this day- yeah. It still sits with me when I'm having a bad day. I'm like, okay, whose arms do I want around me when the world yeah. ends? And it's not that it's a pessimistic mentality, but it, you're just like, when you realize that your relationships are really who you're going to be defined by. 100%. You're just like, oh, may- maybe that can help remove the frustration I feel that A, didn't happen, yeah. or B, didn't happen the way I wanted, yeah. or all that, you know, and it, it has helped me be a little bit more calm in situations that have really felt out of my control. 100%. And, uh, yeah, I, I just, I think about that a lot and, but it's hard because there's also, you know, because of social media, which is like this blessing and a curse at the same time. You get this feeling of like FOMO and like yes. you're comparing yourself to everything. Oh my God, like, I know. I mean, I, I am so happy that I'm not a teenager right now because I feel like, again, like body issues, body yeah. issues, <laughs> the internet, like God, like I just, yeah, no, I feel so happy that like my prefrontal cortex is like developed at this point. <laughs> I know. I think about that for my, my wife and I talk about that all the time with our kids and I'm just like, we're fucked. And I'm like, okay, what do we got to do? How do we make, you know, how do we make Harriet like a strong person or identity? How do we make, you know, yeah. it's just like, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, but that's. I, I really, I would yeah. love to like start a support group for parents in some respect because I'm like, I know so many parents who feel that. Who yeah. just are like, I don't know how to parent my kids in this age of like, technology and social media and things that, uh, frankly, they didn't have to deal with. Yeah. And I mean, I remember when, like, I had AIM, AOL Instant Messenger. Fuck yeah, I know what it is. And my mom What was, was your screen like, name? I don't remember. No, you do I, remember. I don't remember, but I remember my best friend at the time, Austin, his was Bubbly Cats. Mine was rem- Vitamin J26. I was like, I thought I was super cool because of vitamin J. Like, I feel like it was awful. <laughs> I think my dad made emails for me and my brother when we were little on AOL. And I think it was like, I love Batman and I love Superman. And I was Batman and my brother was Superman. And I do Good love pick. Batman. Batman's yeah. fucking sick. I'm um, Batman over Superman too. Yeah, Smart. absolutely. Um, he chose to right? be a hero. Right? Thank Superman you. Was born that way. Yeah, and Superman. Also, like no, res- no disrespect to Gaga, but like having, like being choosing to have the responsibility, like 
I'm going to pick the one who chose. Oh my God. Bars. <laughs> I agree. I wholeheartedly agree. That's right. That's, I mean, you just, you just summarized why comics are some of the greatest stories yeah. ever written. Yeah. Oh my God. Spe- um, specifically Batman. Some, like, one of my neighbors growing up on Long Island was a comic book collector and gave me a few like Silver Surfer issues. Wow. And I think I have like the last one of the copies of like the last original one published. Those there's be somewhere, up there. There's somewhere. I'm you got to get them like graded and stuff now. Oh God, they're in, like, I had comics. Stuff. I loved X-Men and I loved mm-hmm. the Robin series Cry of the Huntress, which I still remember because I would read it every night in bed with oh. my little, I had a pen. Did you have, did you have the camp light? Did no, camp I had, light? so I had this little pen and it was like a secret pen. Okay. And if you double clicked it, the, 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 where the pen would come out was actually a white. Okay, that's fucking sick. <laughs> bring, back the, bring back the Brickstone catalog. <laughs> yeah, I know. So, and so I was like, don't Honestly, worry, wait. I don't have a light, just this pen. Okay, I'm about to drop something, which is that I feel like TikTok shop might be the new Brookstone catalog. Really? I've, like, there's been like, some weird stuff I've seen on there. I've well, nearly yeah, bought the a Brookstone stretch Armstrong. Brookstone catalog was weird shit too. Yeah, you're right. I almost bought a Stretch Armstrong the other day. And someone's like, a new version of a Stretch Armstrong. And I'm like, I kind of never really got that. We couldn't afford it. And I was like, should I get it? And I was like, what the fuck am I doing? It's what like two in the morning. Like, <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> going to bed. That's me on ground at 2 a.m. Being at like Raph or Calvin shit. Being like, do I put an offering on this $800 sweater? That's eBay, I think Grailed, and a couple other things are the only things I have, like, screen time alerts on. But then I get, like, cocky, and I, like, am like, yeah, I'm going to put in an offer for $200. And then they respond back, and they're like, you're a fucking asshole! Why would you do that? I'm not going to sell this to you for 200 bucks. Fuck you! I've done that where you wake up, and then you see the transactions were approved, and then you're like, oh, "Oh, I don't know if I really wanted that. Well, I usually just put it on a credit card that's almost at its limit, in case it doesn't get approved. In case it goes through, and I actually don't want it. Yeah, there you like, go. Oh, I was denied. Oh, it was denied. Too bad. <laughs> oh my god. God. As your as your career is growing, do you feel that your role, not that you should be limited to one thing, mm. but do you feel like that your role is more in this? Because when we first started, you were talking all about the the Huntington Arts. Yeah. And do you yeah. see yourself going back to a thing like that? Like, like being an educator? Well, more of like a mentor and educator. Um, I can Consider myself one now. Oh, touche. Excuse me. Um, I don't like, I definitely have like, in the grand tradition of like queer families, I definitely consider myself having like children Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or like kids that I look out for and want to succeed. And if that means that I have to introduce them to someone over email or I just am constantly hawking them on Instagram. Yeah. Like, that is what it is. Like, and I consider that its own form of mentorship because yeah. you're kind of looking out for someone and saying, like, hey, I was very lucky to get all this attention put on me. Like, how can I spread that and like lift up the people whose work I believe in and who I love? And like, I don't like, I think that's like something that maybe is like more talked about in like queer relationships and queer family relationships because mm-hmm. it's kind of like a, well, you pay it forward. I think that's really beautiful and definitely is something that I don't think people do very often. I mean, I mean, yeah. I, if I can't take a job, I send people like a list of five to six other photographers to hire. So there's no friendly competition. There's no sort of, oh, there's competition for sure. <laughs> okay. There's okay. competition for sure. But there's also like, there's also people like, there's support and there's competition. And if I can't do something, why shouldn't someone else do it? Yeah. And why shouldn't that someone be someone that I love and believe in? I mean, one of my very close friends is getting married in a few months. Okay. And like, 
came to me and was like, I need to, like, I obviously, like, in an ideal world, I ask you to shoot this, but I want you to attend my wedding. And I was like, say no more. Like, here's a list of like five to 10 people I think would be great. Mm. Like, like, hire them. Like, where do you think, like, that, that mentality coming from of the, the sense? Cause that's how I got started. Yeah. Cause that's really what happened to me. Right. Um, okay. I started, I mean, at least my backstage career. Um, I was in Paris. I figured I'd fly out there for men's. Yeah, yeah. Um, I had gotten access through like Out Magazine, I think, at the time. Oh my! And God. then my friend River, they were asked to shoot in house for Claire Wade Keller's first Givenchy Haute Couture show, and they at the time were shooting backstage for Love Magazine. Uh huh. So they kind of sent my Instagram and photos to Love to Katie Grand, and I think it was Emma Slahi and Isabella Boardman. And maybe Harriet Fernie. Yes, probably Harriet. And then Amelia. Um, and I was approved and I took over their backstage job for the day. Oh, wow. And that was really like my first time shooting backstage. At, like, I think I shot Alexander Vautier and Givenchy. And maybe there was an, oh, and Armani Privé. That oh. was my first time shooting Armani. Which wow. Very special. Um, but honestly, like Givenchy really was like the highlight of that day. And at that point, I had kind of known the other backstage photographers like through um, shooting street style and shooting parties and things like that, but I had never been back there. Or if I had been back there, it was like on a one-off experience. I had never done it for the day. And that was really special. And then the next day I shot Victor and Rolf backstage for Document. And I think also River helped me get that job as well. And um, I was heading home from Paris and I got an email from, I think a few public, I think it was from, I got one from Love and I got one from CR. And they were like, what are you shooting this coming season? Like, what backstages are you covering? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I was like, nothing. No one's booked me for anything. And like, Love asked me to split New York with River and asked me to do Milan and London for them. And then I did. And then I went to Paris and they like gave me a few Paris things. But yeah, it was like, that was really how I started doing backstage stuff. Wow. And so that really came from someone else saying like, I can't do this. Here's someone else. Right. And like, it kind of opened the door for me. And so, I mean, next week I'm supposed to shoot something with Willie. I'm, and we need a second photographer. I texted River. Right. It was like, perfect. It was like, come on board. Like, yeah. Like you, when someone takes care of you, you feel this obligation to not just take care of them, but take care of other people. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm very good friends with this um, lovely young photographer. And when I say young, I mean like young, um, Matthias. And I introduced Matthias to my friend Sam Adler, who works at Theory. And now he's shot stuff for her at Theory. And oh like, my God, yeah. he's done some party coverage for some of the publications I've shot for. But like, I try to keep my friends employed. Right. This is a really tough city. It's a really expensive city. Yeah. And like, I mean, when I broke my toe, I couldn't shoot. Do you know John Genuzzi? I was supposed to shoot John Genuzzi's wedding. I couldn't shoot John Genuzzi's wedding. I couldn't shoot John Genuzzi's wedding. So I gave them, I was like, hi, I'm like, my photo assistant at the time, Sam. I was like, Sam Lee. I was like, Sam, like, are you free this day? Like, I know the rate's not great. I took a friends and family rate, but like, yeah. I will get you. I will find you other jobs. He was just happy to have the job. He took it. Like, like I try and keep working. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. No, I think I. that's great. That's great. Oh, wait, how do you know Genuzzi? I think like Twitter and Instagram. Because we didn't really meet very often. We hadn't met a lot. But then I shot the engagement photos. I shot the engagement photos at the Met. Oh my God. Yeah. That's so wild. Yeah, it's really funny. I mean, all this stuff too also speaks to just the fact of like how much your reputation does for you. Because mm-hmm. even as we were chatting, like there's people that you have connections with that I didn't know. 
that you know mm. i mean there and so like it just makes you wonder and at least makes me think about this more than anything well, i mean i also will say like when i felt i had something to say about something i would say it and what i mean by that is that like if i had something that i felt was intelligent and funny to say whether it was a comment on instagram or like a reply on twitter mm. i'd write it okay and like that's kind of like the sneaky and sly way to let people know who you are it's true without like writing a formal email introduction yeah like so i think like john for example i think i was replying to like his tweets because he was very funny on twitter i was like replying and like retweeting and quote tweeting and then like i think like and then when he made the cookies i was really like i bought the cookies often yeah same the kit kat ones the kit kat ones can we talk about that like they're so good yeah no no I remember getting them and I, I got them and like, this is where you can tell where I have all sorts of eating issues, but oh. like I got them, hid them from my wife, <laughs> ate them all. Yeah. And then she was like throwing something away. She's like, what is this? What is Wait, did you get cookies? What's this bag? And I was like, oh, it, it was just someone gave me something and they just get, put it in a cookie bag. And she's like, but there's crumbs in it. And I'm like, why are you looking in the trash? <laughs> I was like, get out of my trash. Woman. <laughs> yeah. It was, uh, yeah, there's. Those things happen. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I just try to not keep that stuff in my house anymore. I know. That's that's uh, my thing. Yeah. Here we are. We started and we end on, on cookies. Oh, God damn it. Um, well, Hunter, thank you. Thank, thank you, you so much. Thank you so this. much, Jeremy. This was a pleasure. I I'm had so much fun. It was pleasure was all mine. I'm a huge fan. So thank, thank you. you. This was great. And I can walk away here saying that as am I. Oh, thank you. Bye. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> See ya. You've been listening to Blamo. Our show is produced by Blamo Media. We're edited by Amar Lowell and our theme music, as always, by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. If you like what you heard, you know the drill. Share the pod with a friend. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Give us five stars or thumbs up on whatever other thing you're listening to us on, whether it's Dingledorp or Bing Bong, whatever it's called. But you can also follow us on Instagram for all the hot content. If you want to talk to us and give us your hot take, we'd love to hear from you. You can send us an email at info at blamopod.com. Last but not least, super ultra important. If I had an air horn, I would press it right now. You got to come and join us over on Patreon because the fun never stops over there. Look, the, the, the live show, the, the, the free show, whatever you want to call this, we take breaks here and there, but Patreon, it never stops. And we also got exclusive shows like Die Workwear, hosted by Derek Guy and Peter Zatolo, and the Triple J Show, hosted by yours truly with uh, John Moy and Gene Noyan. There's, there's just a ton of stuff over there. So check it out at patreon.com forward slash blamo. If not, no worries. We got hundreds and hundreds of free episodes in the feed and uh, more to come. So we will see you all soon.